that's uh, it's nice to pat it. All the power that ever was or will be is here now. I am a center of expression for the primal will of good, which eternally creates and sustains the universe. Through me, its unfailing wisdom takes form in thought and word. Filled with understanding of its perfect law, I am guided moment by moment along the path of liberation. From the exhaustless riches of its limitless substance, I draw all things needful, both spiritual and material. I recognize the manifestation of the undeviating justice in all the circumstances of my life. In all things, great and small, I see the beauty of the divine expression. Living from that will, supported by its unfailing wisdom and understanding, I need a victorious life. I look forward with confidence to the perfect realization of the eternal splendor of the limitless life. In thought and word and deed, I rest my life from day to day upon the sure foundation of eternal being. The kingdom of spirit is embodied in my flesh. Well, as many of you know already, since you've been faithfully coming to these gatherings for many, many times, the tarot and the Kabbalah deal primarily with the psyche and, uh, and not with uh, what you might call generally mundane affairs. Uh, consequently, one profitable way to look at this key is to realize that it is a, a delineation of the parts of the psyche which uh, eventually are going to be integrated in key 21. Uh, the statement that's made, male and female created he them, this is in the Bible of course, it has is open to several interpretations, but the popular one with the capitalist is that that we were constructed with both feminine and masculine elements. And this particular key sets forth the nature of the psyche in that uh, it clearly displays both masculine and feminine elements and also uh, sort of tells you not only what is there, but how to go about uh, establishing a fruitful relationship between the various parts of yourself. In fact, you might say that uh, this particular key is the message that the Hierophant has to give in order to arrive at the next key, which is the victory key, key seven. Now, in, in, in practical you might say the practical aspects of this, we are told that as self-conscious beings, we should direct a certain amount of our attention, not just to the outside world, but also <laughs> to our inner side, which uh, in an immediate way means that we should turn some attention to what's normally called the subconscious or unconscious aspects of ourselves because it is in this area that we are going to receive the necessary inspiration which will 
carry us along in the uh, in the daily struggle. Uh, the struggle, of course, is uh, one that we're all familiar with. It's a struggle for liberation from everything that would hold us back from our true destiny. And our true destiny, of course, is to learn to represent our own selves. Uh, that is the highest aspect of ourselves. So. Uh, I know you're going to wonder what's going on here. I don't mean why I'm here, uh, but what's going on here. And what's going on here is pretty obvious. Uh, boy loves girl, uh, girl loves boy, and all that sort of thing. But the, the deeper significance is uh, the nature of our desire nature, which of course is uh, meaningless without an object. And the desireful aspect, of course, is represented by the male side in this particular tableau. And the desirable object, of course, is represented by the feminine side. And we have this in ourselves to think about uh, without any outside reference at all. I mean, we're not bashful around here. And if you want to talk about, uh, we'll say, how the Kabbalah deals, <coughs> excuse me, with the matter of sex and the, uh, the relationship between the sexes. We certainly have no objection to that. But the main thing to remember is that uh, the desire in nature has to have an object. And in this case, the object, the object is a very magical one because the object is the high priestess, and the high priestess is is the very means of fulfillment in terms of the Kabbalah and the Tarot. In other words, it's all very well to have a desire, but you have to have some means of fulfilling the desire, and the magician in this case happens to be the high priestess or the empress, if you please. Now, uh, in terms of the individual, that is, in terms of you and me, this means that uh, we have the desirable object within ourselves, but we won't find that unless we turn inwardly. And the desirable object in ourselves, of course, is represented by the angel, and the means by which we shall contact this object is, is through the feminine aspect, and it's a matter of common instruction in the books that you and I, as self-conscious beings, should turn our attention inward in, in order to receive, through the agency of our own subconscious, uh, the awareness of what we're really all about and where our true center is. Of course, let's concentrate at least for a moment on this, uh, what is going on within ourselves. And then later on, in the course of the discussion, we can talk about what happens when when you and I meet each other and the polarities uh, get involved there. But without uh, going outside of ourselves, uh, we have, uh, you might say, the main source of our inspiration and guidance. And uh, it's this very guidance that will clear up the enormous uh, confusion that exists in the outer. Without it, we hear one alarm after another. 
And uh, as Matthew Arnold put it, you know, we look out and see where ignorant armies clash by night and also by day and in between times. So that we have, we have a great deal to deal with as far as looking out is concerned. And what we're primarily interested in here in this group effort of ours is to contact our inner aspect so that we can deal successfully with the outer. <coughs> there are 101 or 1,001 different things that we can discuss in connection with this key, but always here we're trying to make it as, as practical as we can as far as uh, how it can be helpful to us as individualists. I mean, that, that's our primary purpose here is to keep it on the practical level because, uh, as you know, if we were to get in the philosophical aspects, uh, we could lose ourselves in, in a million details and uh, they might be interesting to you or to me, but uh, uh, we'd lose sight of the particular goal of the tarot and the particular goal of the Kabbalah which is uh, to liberate ourselves from everything that is untoward in our background and in uh, our relationships with our environment. That's our main goal. <coughs> Outside of that, we'll meet next Thursday, God willing. <laughs> but this is a, a key 15 in the tarot is a caricature of this this key and it's it's very fruitful of course to think of it this way and to study the two keys together This key deals with the uh, faculty of discrimination, among other things. And, uh, of course, the discriminating faculty is the one that uh, especially doesn't take anything for granted as far as what is going on is concerned and makes a very keen distinction about what is going on. So it means uh, exercising ourselves strenuously Acceptance is hardly uh, uh, what this key is all about. Yeah. I kind of, uh, kind of a little contradiction maybe with what you were just talking about. I was thinking of the other aspect where they talk about being in the position of the hanged man, and when you get in that kind of a state, then. Uh, uh, you're applying that maxim that says if you want to, what is it, dominate nature or control nature, something like that, then you first must obey nature's laws. You first must. Uh, well, this is this is this is all right, but uh, uh, this is pretty much what the magician has to concern himself with. I was thinking of that in relation to key 15. 
Well, uh, when the magician starts in, he more or less affirms uh, his position in the scheme of things, and that is that he, he affirms that uh, the particular reality that he's aware of is one that he expects to cooperate with. And uh, it, uh, nature is one, one name for it. Of course, there are a lot of connotations with the word that are unfortunate, but uh, still, it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty good word. Nature. Yeah, it's a pretty good word. You know, it's extremely helpful. Well, we're talking about something a, a little hairier than nature. Yes. Uh, Impossible. 
So inner instruction uh, fills the gap. When you get all the evidence in, you can't tell whether uh, this, you know, whether somebody is good, bad, or indifferent because the evidence is contradictory. You know, this is the lawyers are very good at making a case for anything, for either side, you know, or in the middle, or you name it. And they they are very convincing and very persuasive. But this is uh, another another kind of game altogether. In other words, uh, we're not. We're not trying to be lawyers. We're not trying to prove a case one way or the other way. But what we are trying to do is look and to perceive in a very special way. And a lot of that, you know, again, uh, this is analysis that we're in. We're not talking about if you've got the whole thing in your hand, you know, you've mastered everything and it's all there and it's all second nature to you. That's another thing altogether. But before you can get to this point, you have to analyze the situation so that you, you have some reasonable basis to come to your final conclusions about things. And there's plenty to analyze. You know, the, yourself is, uh, in the beginning, it seems like a bottomless pit, but with a little help from people who have organized this material over the years, as the capitalists have, uh, we can make great strides. And all of this is, is very, very important as far as our welfare is concerned. Because... Uh, it's important because in the last analysis, you and I have to make our own choices. That's what it is to be mature. And if we make, you know, it's a case again of the blind leading the blind, we can't make it. We can't do it. But if we can, if we can make intelligent choices with some background like this to work from, well, we're on their way to a much more successful career, believe me. So the discriminating has to do, of course, with with choices. And you'll notice at the bottom of the pile here, the bottom of the column is decision, which is judgment. And that pretty much winds up the game because uh, after that is only key 21, and that's, uh, you know, that's a, an ongoing uh, proposition. We can't, without a lot of useful data, we can't make intelligent decisions. It's impossible. And what we get on the outside simply won't work. We think the best way, if we were to attempt that, would be to throw ourselves on the mercy of God and get down on our hands and knees all the time and pound the earth and scream for help. That would be the most logical approach. But uh, we don't have to do that. When we get to a certain point, we get the necessary information, we get the necessary assistance so that we can do something for ourselves. Yes, sir? Would that keep the, anything to do with the astral plane? 
Well, you might say the whole tarot has to do with the astral plane. You know, in a sense, in that it, it deals almost exclusively with the inner, and uh, it's to be construed this way. If you're if you're making a reading like fortune telling with the tarot, of course, you're directing it in a different fashion. But as far as the as far as the meaning is concerned, uh, the inner meaning is deals entirely with the in, inner realm. It would be first of all the psychological realm, and uh, and then of course it gets into your mind, which is. Uh, Really fascinating. In fact, uh, as we've mentioned many times, the whole Buddhist canon is uh, is pretty much about your mind, and that isn't all there is to it by any means. And incidentally, uh, as far as where is your mind in this picture, it's over here. It's the feminine aspect that represents the mind. It's the creative aspect. I was thinking more in terms of like a, a dream, where, where it's dreams different, more of an aspect. Well, there are dreams and dreams. If you want to be specific about it, you know and. And tell us more about what kind of dream you're speaking of, because there are all kinds of dreams. It, was, it, it came. It came after my father's death, and the light, the gold light, is what what gave me the connection. And it, it was it's a really unusual dream. It kind of me away. We've had other members of our group uh, have similar dreams with the passing of one of their parents. For both of them, seem to take them out of one area of awareness into another, which is not unusual as far as the history of mysticism is concerned, because that's full of similar occurrences. Paul, for example, on the road to Damascus, and uh, the burning bush, and all these things are. Uh, ways of expressing the same thing. You're one kind of guy one minute, you have a dream or you have something, a uh, vision or something of that sort, and you're a different kind of person. It makes a very profound impression on you, and it's, uh, it changes you. Even if it doesn't do anything else, it puts your head in a different direction so that you begin to think about other things. You know, the least you can say is, well, you know, uh, hey, what's going on here, you know, which is, again, a change of direction. So that these are, these can be very, very important to individuals. Anything that puts you in the, that points you in the right direction, of course, is, is fundamental. It might be a feeling, or um, you might you might hear it as you know someone were speaking to you, you know, and the Lord spoke to Samuel, and so on and so forth. But however it comes to you, 
it, it has so much sap that uh, you react to it in a, in a very precise fashion. You do something about it. And it can be also, it can be uh, uh, sparked by an outer event, something in the outside that you react to in a very special way, and it changes the course of your life. It isn't so much the thing that is in the outside, but it's the way you react to it. You might say you overreact to it, which is an indication of that it is important for you. We were talking last week some about uh, the dangers in connection with the Hierophant of getting lost in the personal uh, subconscious. Uh, and I just thought about uh, the discrimination maybe having something to do with distinguishing these things, the purely personal matter from the, uh, the more uh, the subtler thing. Subtle matter. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think you'll find, uh, I, I'm not trying to lay this on you, but I would like to suggest that if you get into this area of what's personal and what isn't, once you get into it, it's fairly easy to discriminate uh, in this business because you know what's personal, and all you have to do is be honest with yourself. Uh, which sounds easy, but sometimes it isn't easy. But if you can, if you're honest-minded about what is personal and what is not personal, uh, it comes unstuck fairly easily. And the old uh, axe-to-grind sort of uh, approach is uh, is one way to go at it. In other words, if there, if you have an axe-to-grind and you know that you have an axe to grind, you can recognize it, or you're willing to recognize it, well, that's that's where you're personally involved. Of course, this also gets into the area of the ego trip, and uh, uh, which is, from an analytical point of view, a very large area to study. Not always pleasant, but big. <laughs> Yeah. Now the uh, marriage of the uh, male and the female represented in this card bring about brings about the clarity or the vagueness of the constitution to write in the emperor. You see where you get from this. Well, I think that's a, a lovely start. Now, why don't you explain that to us a little more fully? You know, uh, the, uh, give us a outer, little bigger spread on it. The outer, the marriage of the outer and the inner, the thing that you feel inside that, that's unique to you, and the uh, vehicle that you have, your body, to execute that, um, when you try to express that outside of yourself, your the constitution, the thing that you wrote about yourself, the things that you um, 
say you're willing to stick to, the, mo the moment you try to stick to them, uh, as your body is, is doing it, you're experiencing the, the things that you rem remember to put into your constitution of things that you well, if I un I'm trying to get the drift, if I understand you, uh, you're telling me that you wrote it and you you become it, you are it. Is that what you're telling well, me? Well, there's a it's a honesty is a nice quality to put into your constitution um, and generosity, and when you're generous. And That's a generosity is a very very dangerous one to put in. Mm -hmm. Honesty is is pretty good, but generosity is a, is really a difficult one to put in. It's, it's, uh, because the reason that it's generosity as something you put in your constitution is very mm -hmm. suspect from an ego point of view. That's what I'm talking about. But if you have something and you want to share it. And the um, if you have an experience and you want to share the experience of someone else, uh, that's what that that to me is what would be generosity. But when you well, not unless somebody else wanted to share it with you. Uh, in other words, it could be uh, laying it on the other guy. Uh, whether he liked it or not, and that wouldn't be generous. I mean, I'm being the devil's adversary, I admit, but I'm only, you know, I'm only bringing this out that uh, uh, if you have a beautiful experience and you want to share it with others, uh, they have to more or less ask you to share it. Uh, and this is an important point. Because uh, if you if you uh, want to share it with them, whether they like it or not, it can be uh, something else from... Uh, That's an ego trip. Yeah. Yes. I think I know what you're saying, and I agree with you that it's a kind of a no-man's land full of landmines and things, but I think 